Yo, yo, make sure that everybody can hear me this well. We good, we good, Josh, we good. All right. So, you know, this is a this is a different setting today. You see, we chill back, we're relaxing. Um, let me get to the intro because I get so comfortable sometimes, you know what I mean? But um, my boy. Uh, my name is Royce the Voice. Orange Click, Orange Leader. Shout out to K Team. Speak your thoughts or lose your mind. And I think probably has. All right, let's try that again. Sorry, y'all. We just made sure that volume was down. I'm ready, bro. You good? Good. Okay. Good. Am I good. unmuted? Yeah, I'm good. Yes, I'm good. You can unmute me. Mike is muted. Mike, Mike is unmuted. unmuted. Hey, all right, all right guys. Sorry, sorry about that. that. that uh, you know, make sure that, that feed was going in good. So I'm your boy, Royce the Voice, Orange Click, Orange Leader. Shout out to K-Team. Speak your thoughts or lose your mind. And I uh, hope everybody's doing good today. I know we started a little earlier. Um, I, tr I usually try to, you know, um, try to share and stuff like that. But I'll be doing that in just a minute. I hadn't started a watch party on my page. So what I would like everybody to do that's watching right now, I want you guys to please share. All right. Uh, share for me. Tell a homo. What's up with y'all? And uh, guys, you know we we got a we got a special guest, and uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna be here too long. But uh, this young lady has you know invited me into you know our humble abode, and I think this is really nice. And just want to come to a comfortable setting, you know what I mean? So everything won't be so uptight. And so we're pulling up on people now. You feel me? So it's it's a new thing. So you know, without without further ado, man, um, I want to introduce you guys to Miss Alderman. Jenna Allmarker, and how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you doing, Russ? Good, good. I'm good. I'm chilling. Um, this is definitely a, a different setting. You know what I'm saying? Nice area. You know what I mean? Oh, I think the kids got a little Spider-Man thing on the wall or something. It's, I, like, I like that. I like that, man. It's all good. So first of all, I just want to, I want to, you know, thank you for, you know, inviting me into your humble abode. Um, and I just wanted to have a comfort level with you. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, I know a lot of the times we've been here uh, on the show um, via the internet and stuff. And yes, we are in the comfort of our own homes and stuff like that. But like, it's just different, like when you're here, here, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, definitely, man. And so just, uh, this is not exactly the, the Barbara Walters, you know what I mean, that I wanted to have. But we're going to do what we're going to do, you know what I'm saying? I promise y'all, I'm going to be just as good as my producer, Josh, you know what I mean? He'd be correcting me. So I hope y'all can hear everything. Um so let's just, let's just get back to you. I mean, there there's we we call this let's clear the air, right? And basically, that title means for you in particular. You know, there's there's been a you've been all over the media. Let's just be real. You've been all over the media here in Tullahoma, and um, I know as me as a person, you know, I always want people to have like a fair chance to explain themselves because um, I know you speak of transparency a lot. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. But before we dive into all of that, um, just generally, just tell us who you are. Like, even though people know, there may be somebody out there that may not know who Jenna Almarker is. Who is Jenna Almarker? Okay. Um, well, um, Tullahoma, born and raised. Um, so local hometown graduate, uh, early graduate, 2004. Um, I 
I'm a single mom, three kids, small business owner, COO of a local nonprofit. Um, I write, help write, have actually this year helped write some bills that hopefully are going to be presented um, in some committees for, you know, for the General Assembly. One of them is a nonprofit bail program that will basically create an offender-funded rehabilitation program um, through people's bail money to put in services um, that can also um, serve more of a pretrial diversion inclination to keep people out of jail and keep them, you know, out working and where they need to be. Um, and um, so I have a lot of different things that I advocate for, um, Tennessee Right to Life advocates, wrongful conviction advocates, um, and then, you know, it, it all goes kind of, and then it comes back to, you know, alderman is definitely not the full-time job. It's the part-time way to serve. Um, you know, you're not really paid for this. You're paid, you know, per meeting. Um, but you could, you could seriously put in some major time. I mean, this could be, as far as time-wise, I could easily put 40 or 50 hours in to the work that could be done here. But I don't, you know, I, I put in as much time as I can. Um, and I've given it a lot of time um, between this and my business and my other endeavors and, and you know, my three kids. Um, again, I'm the single mom that I have 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 4-year-old. Um, oldest and the youngest are girls and the middle child is a boy. They, youngest is in dance. Um, the two oldest play ball. Um, and they keep me running ragged. They're also at three different schools and on three different schedules. Um, so I've one in elementary and one in a middle school in Moore County and then one's in pre-K and of course she gets out at 1.30 every day. So then right in the middle of your day, it seems like you're having to drop and go run and, and do. So, um, I'm a very busy lady, you could say. Very busy. Yeah, I, I hear that. And I, I know you, um, you mentioned three kids. Mm -hmm. All right. So it seems like they're two years ahead, two years in front of each other, right? You said 10, 12, 12, 12, 10, and then 4. 12, 10, and then 4. Okay, they got the gap there. So, and you said three different schools. So, you know, when you wake up in the morning, it's pretty much like you're on go. Yeah. All the way through. It's mayhem. Yes. Um, and then I work a lot. Um, I'm a process serving business as well. And so I, um, a lot of my work, it has to be done at night. And I have to do a lot of skip trace type work and, and figure out how to find people and hunt people down. And then, um, so I do a lot of paperwork at night while the kids are asleep. Um, and then literally, you know, we're, we're up hit and go at six, six thirty in the morning to try to get everybody, you know, rushed around to their individual schools. And like I said, I have one that goes to Lynchburg when my oldest, she started in Moore County and we kept her in Moore County. Um, I've been divorced eight years. Um, my youngest child, uh, when I say I'm a single mom with my youngest, I am completely alone in raising that child. Um, uh, and I've been through a lot over the past eight years and I've learned a lot. I've grown up a lot in, in eight years. And so I'm only 34 years old. Okay. Um, I say only because if we look at the makeup of the board, I'm by far the youngest person that sits on the, the board here in Alderman. And I think Rupa and Daniel are, they were class of 2000, so they're your age, right, Royce? So we won't, you can tell everybody how old that is. But um, y'all can do the math on that. Um, so a little bit older than me, um, four or five years older than me. Um, 
but I had a lot of life experience, you can say, in that 34 years. I hear that. So, um, being that you say that, you know, you have all these other endeavors, right? Like the kids and stuff, like, why take on such a big responsibility as alderman? Like, what goes through your brain? What, what made you take on that responsibility? Well, because all of the things that aldermen do as far as managing a budget, being fiscally responsible, um, the really important aspects of that job are all things that I'm well aware of how to do in the real world because of all of these endeavors and because of my life experiences. And um, my undergrad is political science with an emphasis in public administration and then I have a law degree. Basically, my degree was tailored to do this um, and I feel like everybody has their way that God wants them to serve and um, he, he wants you to plug in to your community and he wants you to figure out how you can best serve others and and this is a passion for me um, I'm extreme you know I come I may come off a little um, I guess without discernment or like lack of empathy or um, a, a little harsh I guess at times but it's because of the passion and how serious I take what we do and um, this is just the beginning I, I plan on trying to figure out ways to serve in, in, a, in a much broader way um, and, and you know the thing is I'm not the only busy one you know we have we have an eye doctor on the board uh, Daniel is also he didn't have three kids but he also you know is a, a, a business owner um, and everybody has their own way that, that they feel like they can contribute back to society and their own way of, I, I guess we on board call it aldermaning. Hmm. And some people are um, more social events, you know, uh, gathering up people and, and having an event type. And, and I'm more maybe a behind the scenes kind of person trying to figure out legislatively what actions we need to take and how to, how to best serve the populations that are underserved. Um, and, and that's why I have this big push with like working with wrongful conviction and uh, Tennessee Right to Life. And so I spent a lot of time in Nashville at the, at the Capitol. Okay. Well, um, so I see, I've done a, find a, a good way to kind of, so I, I know during the like, the beginning of like your campaign, like the stuff that I've been researching, especially when I was just trying to figure out who you were, you know what I'm saying? Um, I, I know that there was a quote that you might've said, I don't know if it was typed or said, but I recall you saying like, you know, you're the conservative choice, mm -hmm. right? Um, what does that mean? Because sometimes when you hear the word conservative with, with some people out here, they think of so many crazy things, right? So, can you define what that means when you say that you're the conservative choice? Conservative choice means that I'm for a limited government. A limited government means that the, the government, whether local, um, state, or federal, should only be doing that which the private sector or a nonprofit cannot, will not, or should not do. And so, have on a piece of paper or this one wheel of um it's my theory of um the evolution of government and and so the further you go you tilt the scales right or left blue or red 
you know, conservative liberal, um, things start to shift and they start to change. The further you go right, um, which there's a point of no return, there's a point that you can get too far on both sides. It's all about balance. But, but conservative means that I'm for um, less laws, less regulations, less taxes, and more freedoms. That is the essence of conservatism. Okay. So, and, and that's just is what it is right there, right? So, mm -hmm. so okay, so let me dive into this a little bit because um, I, sometimes we, we, we as people like to categorize things, you know, um, when, when some people say, or when some people hear conservative, and you know how the media can be sometimes, when some people hear conservative, they think of that guys have been worried, right? The racist word. Why do you think, just in general, um, why do you think people attach racism to conservative ways? In your opinion. Ignorance. Just, and I don't mean that in an ugly way. You know, a lot of people don't understand there's a difference in ignorance and stupidity. You know, um, stupidity is when you actually have the information, you have the facts, and, and, and you choose to believe otherwise. Ignorance is just simply nobody's ever laid it out for you. Nobody's ever really taught you um, the difference. And I blame a lot of it on uh, indoctrination in our school systems. I, bl I blame a lot of it on the, the failure that civics has become um, so taboo to talk about. And, you know, there's just been this push for many years now. Like, there's just a couple of things you just don't talk about in public. You just don't talk about who you vote for, and you just don't talk about religion. And... I believe, I'm kind of on the opposite end of that. I believe, no, those are the very things that we should be talking about. And those are some of the most important topics, especially when you're shaping um, your children's futures. And, and, you know, those topics, you need to be able to always say, you know, uh, disagreement is okay. Disrespect is not. And so even if somebody disagrees with me, I'm still, I still want to be able to sit down with them and have a conversation and um, be, I'd be more than willing to listen to, you know, why they feel the way that they do and where, you know, those ideas came from and also explain, you know, why I believe the way that I do and where those ideas came from. All right. All right. I, that's what's up. So to be, to be more, uh, to, to dive into it a little more specifically. So when, when we think of what you've kind of explained why people attach that word to conservatism, right? So specifically, just like for you, right? Being that you are the conservative choice that you've already explained what that is, right? Now on a more, uh, I don't want to say personal level, but since we're just dealing with you, why do you think that people attach the word racism to your conservative beliefs? So the only people that have attached my conservative beliefs are those who have actually never met me and never had a conversation with me. And, um, you know, I've, I've been compared locally, you know, some people have said, you know, like she's the local Trump. Um, there are some similarities in that. I definitely voice how I feel, and, and it's a little off-putting at times, not, not only because I'm conservative, but because I'm a woman and a conservative. And so there's still some misogyny, too, that, you know, goes on locally. Um, but as far as this term of 
racist. I had never, and this is why I say that I kind of understand a little bit at that level. Um, I have never been called a racist until I ran for office this time. I ran a whole campaign, a countywide campaign in 2018. Never once was called a racist. What happens is you have one person say it and it creates a domino effect. And even if they're calling you out of your name, I feel like it's like middle school and a kid gets bullied or picked on or a little girl might get bullied or picked on and somebody might call her a slut. Okay. Sure. A little girl may not have ever been, may not have ever even kissed a little boy before. But we, we were there in middle school, and so-and-so would get called a slut, okay? And then, before you know it, it's traveling through the locker room. Well, did y'all hear? So-and-so, she's easy. And, you know, she's a slut. And so it's a form of bullying, to be honest. And... I don't know if God's talking to us or what, but my life just flickered. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it's a form of bullying. Um, it may not be true at all, but let one person label you that. And, and then the others who that person has an influence over begin to pick that up about you because they don't know you and they don't know any better than other than what they've heard about you. And then, so then people start to look at you through this biased uh, lens that, well, so-and-so said it, so it must be true. And so then they start to pick apart everything that you say and everything that you do. And that there is always going to come back to this. Well, you know, well, that makes sense because you know, she's a racist. Mm. I'm not, I'm a, not racist. a racist. I taught, I taught underprivileged communities for the past 10 years, um, uh, predominantly minority school systems. Um, I taught at Laverne High School um, for the past few years. And then for that, I was at Shelbyville Central for four years. And you will not talk to a student or a staff member who has ever had the idea that were around me every day that I was a racist. It wasn't until one person said it, shared a bunch of stuff because I was talking factually about some statistics and they took that as well so you think there's a cultural problem well so you think you've got a problem with black culture no i said that the statistics could point to there's problems with white culture there's problems in every culture there are generational curses within poverty and underprivileged there's general you know generational curses we talked about this for 300 years the black man feeling oppressed and what that has done psychologically to f make them feel bound even when they weren't. And so my solution is to empower people and, you know, to try to let people not feel like, you know, we can't, we can't change what's been done, but what we can change is how you feel about, you know, your future and what you're capable of doing and to empower people. And I feel like that's what I want people to understand about me. I am, my goal is to be inspirational. My goal is to be empowering. My goal, even as a high school teacher, I was never the coddler. I was never the one to be like, oh, you poor thing, you know. Oh, I'm so sorry you come from a bad home or your daddy's in jail or, you know, I can relate. I can relate to a lot of those things in many ways that, you know, some of the, some of the constituents know about and others don't. Um, 
you know, I try to keep business and, and, you know, my personal life aside from each other, but sometimes they intertwine and things will come up that you'll notice that I'm a little overly passionate about. And so, but the thing about it is I don't want anybody to use their home life or their background or, um, their rights, their color of their skin or anything as an excuse to not go on to try to become, um, what God intends them to be. And so just, we need to just empower every community um, to rise up. All right. So, All right. so we're going to go to a, this is a commercial, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're going to go to a quick commercial break and we're just going to, you know, open up Pandora's box a little more. Well, Pandora is not even the right word. This ain't no secret or nothing, but y'all, y'all just sit back for a minute. We're going to a commercial break for about 30 seconds to a minute and uh, we'll be right back. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check it out. It's free. What? And we like free. No way. And they also have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Okay. Anchor will do all the work for you. Now. So it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other media outlets. What? You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Favorite has got to be the peppermint mix. The leave-in conditioner. It's so soothing to your scalp. I've had dry, itchy scalp, and I tell you, it's amazing. My favorite product with Jay's Butter is the Natural Flaxseed Elixir, especially on the hair that's not mine. Y'all know what? I really love Jay's Butter. I love Jay's Butter. I'm just your mind and hold on my <laughs> my thoughts a little part mm -hmm. all right I'm sorry y'all we just chilling today all right so y'all just sit back because I use some of it on my beard just a little bit and it's working just fine um, let me make sure everything is still on here because the um, wait a minute, it's like the is it next? Trying to disconnect. Josh, can you see me? I just want to make sure that everything is good. Can you can you hear my audio at least? Oh. I don't know why it's doing that. Hold on for a minute. We're still straight.
All right, you guys. Sorry about the technical difficulties. We just tried to hook up to that internet or whatnot. So we're going to keep this running. And uh, sorry about that. Thank you all for sticking in, for staying tuned. And uh, please just continue to share. Share with me and just welcome back on your boy Royce DeVoice, Orange Click, Orange Leader. Shout out to K-Team. Speak your thoughts to lose your mind. And we're back here with Miss Alderman, Jenna Almacher. And um, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and go down the line a little bit here. Um, so how can I ask this? I, I do recall when when you were running, right? Um, I, you had said something about not having like closed door meetings and stuff like that. Um, can you explain what you meant when you said that? And if that is happening, like how are you going about that? And how's that going so far as far as you saying that you don't want any closed door meetings? Can you explain what that means first? Um, so yeah, like I have an annual policy. So it's not that I don't want closed door meetings. They're illegal. <laughs> so um, for they call, it's, there's an Open Meetings Act, and we call them, they're notoriously known as like sunshine laws. And so you'll hear that they're um, because of transparency reasons. So it's even two aldermen, not even three. So here's another reason why I don't go to a lot of functions where I know that the other aldermen will be um, because um, technically, legally, um, two aldermen together, getting together, talking outside of a meeting, if, we, if anything was to come up about anything that could come to a vote, technically, we are not supposed to have any conversations about things that could come to a vote. So, for example, um, the Diversity Council last week, um, the London's debacle, um, all of those types of things that business owner or the people interested in those endeavors, they could come to the individual aldermen. We can't go and talk to each other though about the conversations that we're having with members of the community. If it's something that could possibly come to the board during a meeting or be on the agenda for a vote. And, um, I take that very, very serious. And I also wouldn't want to be in a situation where somebody brings up something really great and I'm standing there with Rupa or I'm standing there with Daniel and they come talk to us about it. And then the next thing I know, it's on, it's an agenda item. And here we are all sitting there knowing we've already had a conversation about this. And for us to vote on it, we would actually be violating the law. And it may be a really great thing. Um, and that's why I try to just not put myself in situations. A lot of people don't know this. Um, and I don't know if they would even want me to share this, but I'm going to transparency and all prior to Daniel and Rupa getting elected. My brother was a, a part of this too. At a couple of points, we would have like, we would all get together and have a beer on a Friday night. Um, we, we went to old shed one time. We went to daddy Billy's and we would have these like little summits. And it's interesting that now all four of us are aldermen uh, because we have been trying to solve problems for years together at this point. Um, and we would talk about, we would get together and we'd have a group of conservatives and a group of liberals and we'd all get together and, and we would draw topics out of a hat and, and talk about all the different things that could be local issues, state issues, federal issues, and uh, the different ways that which we could solve those problems and uh, from a conservative standpoint and from a more 
um, you know, liberal or um, democratic standpoint. And so uh, that those meetings took place um, basically in 2018 and 2019 before Rupa and Daniel were elected. And then once they were elected, we couldn't really have our summits anymore because they couldn't talk about, um, because Robin actually was already an alderman when we would have those, but none of the rest of us were. And so it's interesting. So it was Rupa, Robin, me, Daniel. Um, uh, my brother came to a few of those. Um, Rupa's husband participated in a few. Um, Greg Sandlin here locally in Tullahoma, he participated. Um, and so it was, it's really interesting, you know, people, there's, the media tries to spin more animosity on the board than there actually is. Um, we actually, we may not agree on everything and we may have our, obviously our certain passions that we're really, you know, you know, focused on. Um, but as far as working together, um, there, there will be some things that we agree on. And, um, if you'll watch the board meetings, there's a lot of seven to zero votes. There's a lot of things that we unanimously as a board agree on. Um, but it's, we have a good working relationship. Um, and I respect Rupa as a person. Um, I respect Robin as a person. I respect Daniel as a person, um, ideologically. Um, and uh, in some ways I'm very different than all of them. And so, and we all each are, we have our own things that we're very passionate about. Um, so open door meetings are very important. I want to be very, very transparent with the public. Facebook lives, I've done a couple of those. Those have been a really good way for me to try to inform people about what's going on. Um, I got an overwhelmingly positive response from the Facebook lives that I have done. Um, I've had some family things going on the past couple of weeks and I slowed down a little bit. We got through the, the London's debacle and, and everything is, is smoothed out and, and, and going well for that business. And um, I'm, I'm very happy and satisfied with um, the solutions and, and uh, I want to thank the city administrator and, and the people who actually did come to the table and, and try to help uh, um, create some solutions to that. But, you know, I, I want to be, I've kind of made this name for myself as the small business advocate. And so... Yeah, my open door policy, if, especially if you own a business or you're a resident or you're having problems, um, if there are things that the city is um, failing to do, um, if you have a complaint, if you have a grievance, um, generally, you know, those are funneled back to the city administrator. But uh, the aldermen need to know. We need to know what's going on. And we don't need to just be celebrated figureheads. And I think historically, um, before... I would say Robin, Rupa, me, and Daniel, before us, historically, they have been a really hands-off board. And I think that that makeup and that shift is really beginning to happen. And it may look like we are at odds with each other, but we're not. We are actually having the conversations out loud in those public meetings that should have been taking place for years prior to this. Even if it looks like it's confrontational or it's it's whatever, it's not that. Those conversations, to be honest, were in violation of Sunshine Laws in years past. I have I know personally about many violations of the Sunshine Laws, and the and that's why the board meetings were so short. They knew how they were going to vote. 
before they ever got to the meeting. And that is completely inappropriate and not what your government, um, your, your municipal government should be. Um, they should, and people shouldn't just know how you vote. They should know why you voted that way. Those conversations and discussions should be had at the board meetings, not, and, and the conversations that we have outside the board meetings should be with the public individually. And then when we convene, and that's why I'm a big proponent of having work sessions so that if there needs to be a more lengthy, detailed discussion, if there need, if we need to give an opportunity for people to come up um, in a more informal setting to talk to the board as a whole while we're all together in an open door meeting, they can do that. And it's making all of ourselves more available. Had some pushback on that. Um, but, uh, the, you know, we've already had one or two special sessions um, and hopefully there's going to be more of those to come. I think the mayor uh, passed around a little piece of paper the other day and, and kind of laid some ground rules and said that we, would, we could only have one of those a month. <laughs> And because it was up to me, I, I and even though as busy as I am, again, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. And and so I will put as much time as it takes into this endeavor um, because I signed up for it. And um, I want people to understand that even though I may look very business or harsh or seem unapproachable, um, I did go to law school, and a little bit, a little bit of that is just number one, being a teacher for ten years, and and having control of a classroom, and 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 a lot of that is, you know, the just the the litigator in me, and being all business. But I'm really, I will not bite your head off. Like you can come and you can have a conversation with me, and I I will listen to you, and I would love to get to know more of the community who have these preconceived notions about me, who have never talked to me before, call me. We'll do lunch. I mean, Royce, you know this. So, so, so being, so, so being, uh, well, yeah, I, I, I know that personally, you know what I'm saying? And I, and I definitely, you know, um, but I, I'll say, I'll, I'll say to rebuttal that, um, I, I wouldn't be considered to be used as a reference because I know everybody's different. You know what I'm saying? Like I may receive things different from everybody else. You know what I mean? But, but I understand my personal situation with you as far as talking to you personally. Yes. I don't know for somebody else. It may be a little different. You know what I mean? This is, it's, they're, they're different. You know what I mean? So I would say I would have to keep that in the realm of just me and how I relate to you. But I, I think the challenge is, is more like relating to others. So let me ask you this question. The fact that, the fact that you said that, like, okay, going back to the media thing, okay, so you've been front page and, you know, on the live and, you know, some people like take some of your lives and, and your comments and stuff and put it in the paper, you know. Um, how do you feel um, that has, like, affected your relationship with the people being in the media so much and also your job as an alderman? I feel like it's created more polarization. I feel like that the Telehoma News has somewhat sensationalized some of the things that I've said. And, you know, you also got to think that's a private business who has also had some notorious financial difficulties. And all I can say is if putting this 
sensationalizing it a bit and putting it on the front page of the paper or things that I say is helping them sell papers, then that's a business. More power to you. <laughs> but, um, and you know, I'm glad I could help your business out. But I do think that for the people who have supported me overwhelmingly, it, it's been like, I, I've had a, a great response, uh, you know, Thank you. Thank you for standing up for small business. Thank you for not just being a yes man. Thank you for bringing the, you know, some of these things out and uh, being willing to go against the grain because that's why we voted for you. We knew you wouldn't just sit back and be a yes man. And so for the people who really put me in my position and those who voted for me, the overwhelmingly, the overwhelming majority have been very gracious and very supportive and um, cheerleading me. Um, but on the flip side, those who I may have, have come across brash and they did not support me or had this notion that, oh, she's, you know, um, white privileged and thinks she's superior and um, she's a racist and which is just ridiculous. But those who thought that, and now that they're seeing this, you know, my, me being somewhat controversial on the front page of the paper, it's almost like the, for them, it's like, well, Sarah Shalahoma, right? Look what y'all voted in, you know? And but the, I don't even know that they recognize that the only reason I'm on the front page of the paper is because I'm literally doing the job that I was put there to do, and that is to question some of the things and to stand up for small business. And I'm not going to be a yes man. And I'm going to continue to do that. And if it makes me controversial, then it makes me controversial. But it is what it is at this point. That's my job. That's what I said I was going to do. And that's what I intend to do going forward. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, as an alderman, um, being that you are under all this, you know, scrutiny and, you know, hearsay and they say and all that, um, and I, and I, I would have, I, I would have to bring this up because it, this is the voice of the people here. You know what I'm saying? And so when I do ask this, I would say to, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to answer, but I'll just say, receive the question in a way that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's more universal. Okay. Um, the black community here in, in Tullahoma, Tennessee, um, you know, I, I've, I've spoken with, you know, with a lot of them. Um, and, and even and even those in the white communities and more than more of the poor, poor areas and stuff. But I hear mostly from the black community and a lot of them want to know generally, like, what do you feel you can do? Or have you ever thought of any type of plan to kind of like bridge the gap between elected officials and the citizens? So to bridge the gap between the elected officials and the citizens. Um, I feel like that the whole thing of, you know, having the open door policy with the people is very important. I'm a big proponent of one-on-one -on -one conversations. I'm not the type of person that I want to be celebrated in a parade style. Let me go out and, 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 and do my, and kiss babies and, and not that there's anything wrong with any of that, but I'm not going to be your average politician, but I'm going to come out there and tell you I'm going to make all your dreams come true and it's going to be Disneyland, you know, because these things are going to take time. 
And I do see some of the disparities and I am cognizant of when you look at certain factions um, geographically in our town and it's Jefferson Park um, over on East, East side, Eastgate, um, uh, Dawson, when you go around in those areas and it's almost like you have, you, you know, you left the rest of Tullahoma and, and it's like this own little place of it, you know, that has, it's obvious that it's been neglected. And I, I am very cognizant of that, extremely. I do not think that it is fair that we have um, a, you know, million dollar swimming pool in one area of town and we had basketball goals laying on the ground for a year at another park in another area of town that couldn't even get put up. I do not think that it's fair that, you know, it does seem like we give more attention to certain projects based on who people know and how affluent that they are. And this is the thing that people need to understand about me. If you have this idea that I am some sort of elitist, you could not be, for I am against the elitism. I want the little man to rise up. I'm always for the underdog. And those communities need our attention. And it doesn't need to be private funding. If it's a city-owned park, the city needs to be responsible for maintaining it. And it needs to be as good on this side of town as it is on this side of town. And I think it is absolutely ridiculous that there have had to be private funding for Jefferson Park. And, 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 and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you actually brought that up because I was, uh, was going to specify what you were saying as far as the uh, certain parts of the community. And if I can clarify that, you know, for the people, um, we're definitely talking about, you know, um, the south side of Tullahoma, where it's, you know, it's a pretty much poor community over there. A lot of people are on government assistance. Um, the majority of them black. We do have a mixture, you know what I'm saying, of, uh, of culture or races there. But um, it's, a, it's a predominantly black area, you know, black neighborhood. Um, even though we have them all around, um, south, south Jackson Street, that area has been historically known pretty much for black people. When you speak of city stamps, when you speak of the academy and all that. And I mean, um, I, what I've even heard, you know, your, your brother even say, you know, um, some of the things that we agree with that that side of town seems to be neglected a little bit. Um, I remember I went to a board meeting a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was about a month ago and they had on the projector screen, but some of the roads that they were uh, talking about being redone. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't want to sound like I'm you know, being selfish or, so, or nothing like that. But I'm like, none of those streets right there are, are on, on the south end. And I know all types of roads are a little messed up around here. I've, I've done my drive around just being bored to see what's up. But, you know, the South Franklin, Coffee Street, all that, even Jefferson Street. You know, I always said, like, you know, Jefferson Street, it bleeds right into to the park. It's like, why wouldn't you want that road to look, you know, nice? You know what I'm saying? Uh, South Franklin, uh, very historical area back there. It's, it's bumps all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to take away the attention to what's going on around the rest of the city, but it just seems like that part of town is has been neglected and unheard, which a lot of people agree that um, I've spoken with. I'm pretty sure that you've spoken with. Um, 
why do you think it's that way? Why do you think that that part of town in Tullahoma um, is neglected? So I think I think that it comes down to historically special interests and who your mom is and who your daddy is and how much money you have and and I mean I hate to say it but that has been Tullahoma for a long time and I, you know if if you were affiliated with certain people um, and you came to the board and you wanted something done then it, it generally got done. Now here's the other thing that I will say. We have to empower people in that community to be able to come to the board and be in the situation of how to talk to the board, how to come up there and, and, and voice a grievance in the citizens' comments, how to be able, you know, I think that going into the community and, and hopefully building some communication skills and empowering them and building their confidence up that it's, you know, trying to show them that we're just regular people. I'm just a regular person. There is nothing to be intimidated about or anything like that. Um, because generally the, the, the things that get advocated for are the things that get done. And so we need more people involved from those communities in advocating, um, for that kind of work. Um, I, I can tell you that with enough public pressure, the city will act. And you know this. I, I mean, it, it, historically speaking, if you get enough people together that you create enough pressure, you need to do it in the right way. We don't need to be riding or any of that mess. But attending the meetings, voicing the concerns, um, doing so respectfully, reaching out to your aldermen, um, talking to your city administrator, knowing them, coming out, you know, being involved, especially if you own a business and, you know, the, the chamber events and um, just plugging in to the community. And um, I think that the reason that it's starting to get a little more attention is because we have people like yourself um, and a few others who have are shining in the spotlight. And I think historically, not only was it neglected, but we didn't have people in those communities who knew how to create the advocacy for the change they needed. So hopefully we're turning over a new leaf and we can begin to shift that dynamic and start empowering those communities um, to, to be more blended in and look like the rest of Tullahoma. All right, all right. So, and, and I'm just reminding since we're, since we're on here live or whatever, um, I'm going to tell you now because we won't have any other time to tell you. Um, so, after I do ask the question, give it like a two second pause just for audio purposes so Josh can switch through. Just, no, I, I just had to remind you of whatnot, but it's all good. It's all good. It's just, just TV etiquette, you know. But we're doing this here live. Let's see what's going on. Anyway, um, appreciate it, uh, producer. Um, so, and I'm not going to hold you up because, you know, you got you got kids and stuff like that uh, to go pick up. But um, just to tap in a little more, just more about the people and stuff like that. Um, I, I want to swing back around to, um, you know, people put you in this category as a racist. Right. So. There have been. There have been things said that 
they claim that you have said, you know, or either that they've seen you say it or they've seen you type it or, or, or whatever. But I want you to just kind of clear up some things on derogatory, derogatory words, so to speak. Um, people say that, you know, you, you say things out of place that may affect the black community, so to speak. Um, do you recall saying or doing any of those things? Um, is, is there something you want to explain as far as that? Um, yeah. Uh, wait, two seconds. <laughs> okay. Um, honestly, I don't really know what you're talking about. You're going, you probably would have to be a little more specific and give me a, an, an instance. Okay. Okay. So you want me to, okay. So, all right. So, since you asked me, um, a lot of people say that you have misused a word that is derogatory towards black people, the N word, so to speak. Right. We've heard that before. Now I can't be the one to say, I've heard you say anything, but this is coming from the majority. And I guess they want to know, you know, is that true? Uh, and if so, you know, is, is, was it meant in another context or was it meant for something hateful? Um, or why would you even say that if that's, if that's even something that you said, that's what they just want to know. Uh, okay. So mm, what, I mean, are we talking about singing like, you know, gold, all of my rings? Don't believe me, just watch. And if you know how what comes after, I mean, because that, no, actually, I can't, I don't use the N word uh, unless it's in a specific setting, like you're singing a song. I mean, let's be, I mean, I'm 34. We, I'm still a little young. Um, I'm not that out of touch. I'm very well, you know, rounded as far as musically. I listen to every, I mean, I was a Tupac kid. And so, honestly, it's almost, I don't mean to laugh. I really probably need to be more serious. But it is laughable if people know me because I'm not that. I'm not somebody who, I'm not a racist. I'm not. I don't go around calling people the N word. I've never, I've never used the N. So somebody who said that they've heard me say that or type that, they're lying. They are lying. Unless it was in a context of like singing a song or being facetious. Um, and no, I, it, I have no clue other than that. All right, so, all right. So yeah, we're just gonna leave it. We're just we're just gonna leave it at that. Cause um, and, and that that was just a question for the people. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, just something that you know that that I, I respect that. But just wanted to get it out there. Let you say what you have to say. But I I, I want to tap in a little more. Just um, just more about the people. Um, now I've recalled when I used to watch your your campaign and stuff, and you had um. There were some things that people got misconstrued as far as when we talk about nuclear family, right? Mm -hmm. um, I know speaking uh, for some people in the black community that has heard that um, may have took it in a way, well, they may have took it out of context because to them, when you say, oh, well, you know, black people need to work on their core family, the nuclear family, you know, there's, there's not enough fathers in the homes, you know, and, and it's disrupting the family. 
Um, can you just explain that more into a context that they can understand? Okay, two seconds. So I don't think that I've ever used the words black people need to. Okay, so let's go back for a second. Anytime I've ever talked about the dissolution of the nuclear family, I am not just talking about black people, but we do know that historically when redlining was going on in the 60s and 70s and the welfare state emerged, that it did affect a lot of um, black families and that that kind of started generational curses for the dissolution of the nuclear family. But it didn't just affect black families. So let's just be real. It affected anybody who was socioeconomically disadvantaged. And so that could be Hispanic, white, black. Um, but when you're, if we're talking about a specific subsect of people and we're talking about the black community, then yeah, I mean, they're going to definitely fall into that even though they're not the only ones. Um, you know, I do feel like the dissolution of the nuclear family is something that every culture needs to work on and that women need to, uh, women have kind of risen up. You know, in my opinion, there's no stronger person or subsect of our culture than the black American woman. If you look back over the past 30, 40 years, they are the most underrecognized um, and, and most agile, diverse group of females who can get stuff done and make it look easy and make plates spin and, and they get no recognition. So if I would ever like to see a group of people rise through the ranks, it would be, you know, uh, black females. And the reason that they have become that is because of raising kids um, and the dissolution of the nuclear family and notorious problems with um, fatherless homes in the black community. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that that only happens in the black community, but let's just be real. Statistically, we know these are facts. And you can't get mad at facts. And so, you know, we have to try to take emotions out of things and look at why things are the way that they are. Look at the bad and look at the good. So the good part of what's happened in the past 40 or 50 years is look at how powerful and strong black women are today and how underrecognized they are for being that. Now, I fall in that category, too, of why I say that this is something that culturally we need to look at in all cultures is because I am that single mom. I'm that single mom. My youngest daughter's dad is in jail. A lot of people don't know that, and I don't share that a lot, um, but I get it. He made some decisions that ha it was, you know, after we had already split up. But he could not be the man that I needed him to be, the father that he needed to be. And he made some decisions that have absolutely no um, connection or bearing on my life or anything that I would ever do. Um, and he is paying the piper for those decisions, as he should. And I don't feel sorry for him. Um, but do I want to see him rehabilitated? Do I want to see him be able to come out one day 
and learn from the mistakes he's made and not have to continue to pay for those in society for the rest of his life because he made a mistake when he was younger. Yeah, I want to be, I, I would love to see that, which is why, you know, I have, I'm, I'm trying, I'm waiting on some licensing right now, but I'm trying to create an intensive outpatient uh, program here in Tullahoma for uh, drug and alcohol um, recovery and treatment. Um, you know, we have Center Stone, but if you call Center Stone, you're on a five, four or five week, you know, waiting list. And so we need more options. We need more treatment centers. We need more recovery centers. Um, and, you know, there's a difference in sobriety and recovery. We need people in recovery. And so, you know, if you look at those types of things and how they've affected the black community, they don't just affect the black community. And it's getting to where the dissolution of the nuclear family and drugs and, um, you know, people going to jail and fatherless homes, it knows no demographics. It knows no race. It knows no color. It knows no religion. It knows no this side of town or that side of town. And so hopefully that's, we can begin. The reason I want to be forthright about this is I want to start erasing some of that stigma and that that doesn't make you um, because you have a family member or you have a child and the, and the father's not around or you're a single mom. Um, it doesn't make you, you can still go on to do whatever it is that you're passionate about and, and achieve your wildest dreams. And I want to be, I want to be a figure for that because I did. I put myself through law school as a single mother with three kids and I worked three jobs and I taught high school during the day and I ran a mail route on the weekends and I sold real estate on the side and I have a process server business and I killed and I went to law school three nights a week in Nashville and I was juggling kids and going this way and going that way and running three county loops and I did that as a single mom and people told me it could not be done and I'm here to tell everybody that it can be done so I want to empower you regardless of your circumstance, your race, your religion, your creed, where you grew up, what's going on in your life, what mistakes you have made in your past, you can still become anything and everything that you've ever wanted to be. All right. And um, I don't know, we got about, about 10, 15 minutes or whatever. Sorry, guys, we're not going to go too long because she, she got some responsibilities, man. Got to, got to pick up those kids. But um, I, I will say this. Um, just based off of what you were saying, just sticking with the nuclear family and all that, um, and 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 I'm and I'm hearing you. You have you have all the responsibilities and, and things that you have to do. You know, you, you got your crib, you got your business. Um, to to kind of play the middleman in between that and just speaking for uh, for others. Um, I do agree that we do have to work on the nuclear family. You know what I'm saying. Um, and I'm specifically talking to, to the black community because we don't hear that too often. And because of that, we may take that out of context when we have somebody that explains it to us that may not be in that situation economically. You know, and, and those poor communities, they probably can't relate to you because they're like, well, you got all this going on. You got all that going on. You got your own business. Well, we don't have these opportunities, you know. Do you feel that the reason why the people in those communities, the black community and in those poor communities think like that, um, 
Well, I ask this, why do you feel that they don't have the opportunities that you have? Okay, okay. So, so there's this thing called, you know, self-oppression and psyche, you know, your psyche and psychologically you may feel that you are underprivileged because of X, Y, and Z. And people may look at me and think that I am econ economically advantaged. I'm not. I work my butt off. There's a reason that I have what I have. It's because I work three jobs and I had no more opportunities. I put myself through law school. I paid for my own schooling. I didn't get scholarships. Daddy didn't pay for it. Mama didn't pay for it. Okay. And they'll tell you that I did it myself. And so I think that people assume that if you're in a good place, um, and also, you know, people never know how much others struggle. I struggle all the time, y'all. Um, three kids trying to pay a mortgage, you know, trying to keep everybody. Sports, sports are expensive. Um, so I get it. Here's the thing. You have opportunities. Somebody somewhere along the way has made you feel like because you come from this side of town or because of the color of your skin or because of this or because of that, that you can't. And that is a lie. You live in the greatest country in the world. You're, there are in, in America, opportunities are boundless. It does not matter where you come from. There are ways. And if you need to know how and you have a dream, call me. We'll figure it out together. I want to empower the community to understand that, not just the black community, but every community, all of Tullahoma, okay, to understand that it does not matter what, you know, where you come from. Somebody somewhere along the way, you know, starts breaking these generational curses and starts climbing that ladder. And so here's the thing, you can sit down and you can sulk about it and you can say, well, I come from this side of town, you know, look at the color of my skin. Um, you know, I just don't have the same opportunities. Those are excuses. And, you know, some people may disagree with me and that's fine, but I can promise you right now for every excuse there, there are a hundred solutions. And that's what we need people to understand. You need to, you need to get out of the excuse mentality or, you know, I feel like because nobody else in my family has been able to do it. I'm just going to have to, I'm going to end up like, just like them. Well, you know, my dad ended up in jail. He sold drugs. So, you know, somebody's got to pay the bills around here. I got to do it. My mom needs help. I've heard that. I heard that from a young man last week that I sat right here on this couch and, and tried to mentor, um, who is from, from Dawson. And, and I said, that, that's a lie. It is a lie. First of all, God doesn't care where you come from. He has got a purpose for your life. You got to get out of what, the way. You got to get out of that psyche and that mentality that you are less than or less than worthy of his purpose for your life. Me, white people, uh, you know, if you're black and you feel like the, the, the system is against you, God controls the system, honey. God controls us all. You got to quit saying that, you know, you can't. 
because you can. Everybody can. Okay, and and I will and, and I only got one one more question after this, but just just to go off of what you just said, um, and I think that's the I think that's the whole ping pong. You know what I mean with 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 uh, with people um, when when you say it's true. It's said that we are all equal. There's equal opportunity. We have the same uh, rights, uh, the same doors that can be opened. Um, there are some people out there that just don't believe that because they may have experienced racism or discrimination in jobs. Um, I know personally I have, you know, so a lot of people can't act like it doesn't happen. And it is a, hmm, for the ones that it happens to, it's kind of hard to convince them that it doesn't. And for the, those that it hasn't happened to, it's easy for them to say that, well, I don't know what you're talking about, right? Um, but I will say this, because you can have an endless debate about, I'm being discriminated because of the color of my skin. Look what you have, look what I have, look at the opportunities that are available for you, look at the opportunities that are available for me. Is there anywhere that you can see that in those low income communities, right? Can you see or understand maybe the mentality based on the environment that they live in, why they think that way? And you do speak of the nuclear family. You do speak of, you know, fathers not being in the home, right? And I think people take it a certain way because it may be the way you convey it. Because like you said, you're not, you're not really an emotional person. You know, it's like logistics, straight to the facts. Hey, stop crying, get up off your feet. You feel me? But what I've had to say in defense for the people is sometimes it's just, there's a certain way that you would have to come at people, you know, not with, like I said, picking them up and burping them and stuff like that. The last thing that the black community or poor communities need is to be enabled. I agree with that 100%. But I also believe that there is a way that you convey that message to where they can understand and you're coming from a, a better, a good place. I know you can't do it all by yourself, but it'd be good that the other aldermen, and I'm speaking for myself on this, the other aldermen would come together along with you as, your, as a unit. Because we do now have two people of color in the aldermen um, who I'm pretty sure that they can relate in a sense. Um, and just being honest, I know Sister Sanobi McGee can relate because she's in those communities. She's in the churches and stuff. I grew up listening to her prayers <laughs> and her songs. You know what I'm saying? I always wanted to do runs like her. But I think to answer that question so we won't go back and forth about if people think if you're for real about what you're saying or if this is the truth or not, at the end of the day, I just feel that officials could come together visit these neighborhoods all over, get to know the people, you know, um, see what's going on in their lives and then have a way to where you can explain to them or any of your Ottoman counterparts to explain how they can get out of the situation that they're in, you know, and, um, and I don't want to take up any of your time with that. And because I know you got, you got things to do, 
sorry for going overboard a little bit. Um, but what I would like to do is just give you an opportunity to kind of just close out and just uh, speak to us about what you want to see, you know, done in Tullahoma at the end of the day. What is it, what is it that you want to see overall for this community? So, you know, I don't want, I should wait two seconds, but okay. So I don't want people to think that I'm dismissing their concerns or their experiences. I have no doubt that people um, similarly situated as you um, in the black community have at one time or another in the deep South here, you know, experienced a form of racism or maybe been discriminated against or felt like they were discriminated against because I've been in a situation where I felt like I was discriminated against based on the color of my skin. Um, and it depends on like where, where you end up and what situations it can happen. I feel like I have been looked down upon um, because of my family situation. Um, and, you know, sort of, I, I get, I understand what it's like for you to feel like you are inferior and that people have um, brushed you off or snubbed at you because of things that are absolutely out of your control. Um, such as your skin color. And so I'm not trying to act like that's never happened. Um, what I'm going to tell you is there are going to be plenty of people who knock you down, whether it's because of that or because of this or because of something else. And in life, all we, 99% of our success can be attributed to our reaction and our response to that. Are you going to believe the lie? That you're inferior based on, or, or that you're unworthy, or are you going to let them win by getting away with discriminate, not getting that promotion? You know, and dang well, it's because all their friends are white and they're going to point the white guy, and, and because you're black, or you know, are, are you going to do something about it? Are you going to stand up and rise up and let God take that will? Because sometimes He will put you through that adversity to test you and to teach you that you are a child of God and that you are worthy. And it does not matter what color your skin is or where, where you came from. Sometimes he has to let us go through those things so that we can figure out how to empower ourselves and ultimately set the example for generations to come. So please don't take me as being dismissive of any plight of any community that's not it at all. I just approach it from a, let's not worry about what's been done. We can't control what other people do to us. We only can control how we react and how we respond to that in our comeback. Okay. So I want, I want people to have the come up and I want to, if there's anything that I can do to, to go into the community, um, I may, it may feel like I'm an approach. I'm just really busy. <laughs> But I have time. I just have to schedule it, you know, and, and I will, I'll make time for anybody who approaches me and wants to have a conversation. All right. And I believe, yeah, you already, already actually answered answer my question in closing. So um, I, I, I do appreciate, you know, saying the, the, the time that you're giving us, um, you know, I hope everybody was able to, uh, Get the answers that they that, that they wanted. Um, but see, you know, 
there always be more and more questions from people. And this is what I would say to people. And just as far as just closing out, because uh, Miss Hallmarker has to make make her way. So I'm, I'm gonna look at the look at the camera here real quick, you guys. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's really up to the people. You know, whether you guys, you know, uh, believe what she's saying or, or not. You know, at that point, it does become a personal, you know, situation. Um, what I'm looking at overall, to be honest, is holding each and every one of our aldermen and our people that are having seat that have seats here in the city, holding them accountable to what you know to what they say. And based off of everything that she said today on the show, um, like she says, hold her accountable. You know, um, she does realize sometimes how people feel like she may. Um, people feel like you're not, she's not as accessible. And, you know, she's, she's telling you guys, you know, on this day, you know, to reach out, you know, her email, her number, it's all, it's all on the website, uh, Tullahoma, Tullahoma, Tullahoma.gov, Tullahoma, Tennessee.gov. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you guys can Google that. You guys can Google that or whatever, but, um, she's making herself accessible. And so at this point right now, ladies and gentlemen, now you can hold that part accountable, okay? And, and along with all the other autumns and stuff, you know, um, they're making themselves accessible. So take advantage of that. Have a 5, 10, 15-point plan, uh, some things that you would like to see done, and then put that to the test. Now that our elected officials have put themselves out there to be accessible, um, even with the other work that they're doing, you know, uh, consider that too, because an autumn is a full-time job, with less than part-time pay okay so um we're not going to hold anybody up um i'll be talking to everybody later i will be replaying this at 8 p.m okay so i won't be going live at 8 we will be replaying this all right so in closing um i'm your boy royce the voice orange click orange leaders shout out to k-team speak your thoughts or lose your mind and um i'll see you guys a little later